Hello and welcome to the Family Bookshelf. I am Nick, the Game Schooling Dad, and with me is Amber of AmbitionsForChrist.com. Today I've got three books for you that I've uh, read fairly recently, three nonfiction Christian books that I really enjoyed. Uh, so the first one I just finished, it's called The Overcoming Life by D.L. Moody. Now we picked this one up for a... Okay, I picked this one up because we had just finished the D.L. Moody book that we read to the kids, a little chapter book, and we learned a little bit about him. Right. We were interested in D.L. Moody, and so this it seemed natural to jump in and try to actually read something he wrote. Yes, that's what I wanted to do, read something that he had written as opposed to something that was about him. So this is from him, and it was a really solid book. Um, it's not perfect. It's not great. Uh, D.L. Moody is by no means a, a theologian. Uh, D.L. Moody is by no means a Bible scholar, and this book definitely reads like that. Right. It's much more about um, him telling a personal connection or a personal story, or you know, he always has this person he's heard of or the story he knows, this little anecdote that connects to the Bible in some sort of offshooting way. Um, very emotional, uh, very good with appealing, uh, emotionally appealing, but not necessarily something that you're going to you know learn the Bible from. Not necessarily something that's going to teach you uh, to be with Jesus logically. Uh, much more emotional, which which I think was his style. That's kind of the impression we got even from that chapter book we read. That you know he was an emotional appeal. His whole goal almost was emotional appeal, sure. it seems and, like. And you have to remember, he was not uh, an educated man. No, he you was know, not. He was a farmer from Northfield, uh, some Connecticut Massachusetts? or some, Massachusetts, yeah. somewhere I, I, there. Somewhere back east, right? Um, he was a, a farm kid who didn't have any formal education training. Yep. Uh, he didn't really want to be a speaker, didn't really want to get on the pulpit. He actually just wanted to go into the city and pull out kids to have him go to his Sunday school, where he really wasn't even a teacher, only kind of marginally. It just kind of he just kept getting forced and forced more <laughs> of this responsibility put on him. Yeah. You know, he, he also uh, is an evangelist. He, he's not a Bible teacher. He's not the disciple maker. Yeah. He, that really didn't seem to be his goal. No, his, his goal and his duty was to get people into the building, yeah. uh, set them up so that someone else could knock them down, if you will. Yeah. You know, and that, that all being said, that's okay. Just you have to realize what you're going into here. Right. This that's is, his writing style. Yeah. It reflects that. This is not a, a, a biblical, you know, scholarly journal. <laughs> yeah. This is pretty emotional. Uh, now, that being said, it's actually written very well. It, really appeals to the common man. Uh, I love the first chapter, especially where he talks, uh, the introduction mentions it, he walks the line between calling for godliness and legalism, and uh, we, teamed, we seem to be caught up in that. Uh, I heard a speaker just a few weeks ago talk about legalism, and it really hit me, it struck me, because our churches today never address any of it. Right. Um, not, not necessarily address legalism, but address any kind of change. You become a Christian, and your life is exactly the same as it was before. You do exactly the same as what everyone else does. Nothing's any different. There's not a call to be set apart or be different from the world or even from your past life. Right. You know, and I think that's important. Christians, you know, when you have that true experience of knowing that, you know, Christ died for your sins, you do want to step away from things that God calls wrong. So I think that's important. When you, when you read the Bible, you study and you see that, you know, Christians are called to be set apart. Yeah. Christians are holy and they're different. And if your life looks no different than anyone else's, you know, you're doing something wrong. And yet you say that in a group or you say that in a church and all of a sudden everyone accuses you of being legalistic. 
you know, you're just being legalistic. And that's really not the case. And, and Rudy does a nice job of pointing that out. And he hits more, he hits on, you know, alcoholism, he hits on temper, he hits on all these things that we all struggle with, pride. He has a whole chapter on humility. You know, oh, wow. All of these things that we struggle on. And it's, you know, a great call to be different without necessarily a call, not necessarily him being legalistic. Yeah. You know, not a call to follow the law and the letter of the law, but a call to have a different life because Jesus has changed you. That's um, amazing. Because that's what you really need. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's what, what Christianity is all about. It is. You know, how, how can you follow the law without following the law? Because Jesus <laughs> puts you, you know, Jesus puts you in that place. He, he comes with you and changes your heart. Yes. You know, where all of a sudden the law is not a burden and all of a sudden the law is not something that we follow because we have to, but it's a joy and it's a freedom. Right. And, and we do it out of a response to love for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, you think of any kid, you know, it's, I, I look back as a kid, you know, if I did chores because I knew I had to, I didn't do them well or happily. Right. But there were times where I would just all of a sudden, you know, oh, I want to go help mom do this, you know, do dishes or something. And doing it because I chose to and I loved it and they went quickly and it was a fun experience. And I mean, I think that's what Christians don't realize is that, you know, when you're following Christ for the sake of like, I should do this. I should go to church or I should say a prayer or I should read my Bible. I have to. I have to. You know, the Bible says I have to do this. So, well, then you're not doing it joyfully <laughs> and, you're not with the, and the door of the Lord is not in your heart. Right. You know, rejoice in the Lord always. You know, again, I say rejoice. And so I think, yeah, and then it, a total shift, a total opposite of that is I get to go talk with God today. If that looks in the form of a very, you know, formal prayer or in a informal conversation throughout the day, I still get to do it. You know, sure. there's just that joy there. Oh, yes. And that's what really Moody brings out is the joy that you get when you serve Christ. Uh, the only other chapter, I shouldn't say the only other chapter, the other <laughs> chapter I'll point to because it was really astounding to me uh, was about Noah and Noah's Ark. And it's just a fantastic um probably a place to pull some ideas for a sermon if that's what you're interested in looking at. He has this chapter about Noah and, and looking at it in a way that you hadn't seen before. Um, again, the man is not a theologian, <laughs> but he's a very good speaker and he will connect with you on a personable human level. A very interesting man. Uh, that's The Overcoming Life by D.L. Moody. Uh, the next one I bring to you today is called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands by Paul David Tripp. Uh, I really fell in love with Paul David Tripp when I went back to school and got my master's degree. We read three or four books by him, and I was impressed with every one that we read. I think I was, too. I mean, I remember the first couple ones I was, you know, a little timid. I'd never heard of this guy. You know, is he going to be that good? Or, you know, and by the time we got towards the end, it was like, woo, they're recommending Paul David Tripp. I'm excited. <laughs> More David Tripp books, yeah. The man, he, he writes with a great sense of humor. He's got a he good does. personality about him. He's also, and I mean no disrespect if he somehow ever listens to this, right? <laughs> um, he's also goofy looking as no get up. He's yes. not what you imagine at all when you when you think of Paul David Tripp. And I mean that, of course, in the nicest way. <laughs> the man is very smart. He's a brilliant. Um, I remember one specifically, the anecdote he tells about um, his kids jumping on the bed and they get hurt. And he said, oh, don't worry. My dad's a doctor. And he's like, you've got the wrong kind of doctor. <laughs> he's very funny. Um, and this book is really all about how we look at idols. Uh, idols, of course, if you only ever read the New Testament, you're thinking of statues that people have right. built. And that's still You're thinking happens. the golden calf from, yeah. you know, the Moses story. <laughs> and, and you still see a lot of that. You still see that, especially in the East.
Eastern world and right. in other places. You don't necessarily see it here in the United States. It's uh, not blatant. It's not on every right. street corner. <laughs> you have other idols. And, yeah. and really what he's talking about is an idol tends to always take your form. You know, it's always something that you've mm-hmm. set in your heart. It's something, especially the way you want it. You have these expectations. Uh, you know, you come home from a hard day of work, and you want to be able to sit on the couch and relax. And you have now created an idol where this is what you expect to happen. And when this doesn't happen, you get angry, you get resentful, you get mad, and now you have a problem. And you've created this idol. Exactly. So it's it's not an idol like you're thinking of the Old Testament golden calf. It's the modern day idol of America, and we've become pampered. And right. We expect everything to go our way. Yeah, and instantly on top of it all. Yes, instantly. Not just like, well, I want you know, I want my life to be done, you know, right and well. If no, I I expect it to be done, you know, Pinterest perfect today, right now. Yes. And that doesn't happen. I mean, you and know. he really challenges you to look at your heart. And to find the sin in your heart. The heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. This is the first book I kind of remember pulling that out of. Yeah. You know, where he talks about if you have a problem with anger or with any idol, but anger is a big one because it's one I struggle with. Right. You know, it's something that's in your heart that's wrong. And you need to go to your heart and fix that with Jesus. And you, you go with prayer and you go with, you know, trying to do better every time. And you go and you ask Christ for help over and over and over again. Um so he was a wonderful writer. I really fell in love with Paul David Tripp, and he's got multiple books. I think we have the parenting one. I know is a good one. Parenting one. He has one about marriage. Yes. I think it's called um, "What Did You Expect." What did you expect? Yeah. Yep. Also, another very good one. Yeah. Uh, he. And maybe we'll do. We'll more have to about highlight those. some of these later because I'm getting excited <laughs> just thinking about them. So yeah. Um, we really fell in love with with Paul David Tripp, and that's his instruments in the redeemer's hands uh now the last one really came out of nowhere and surprised me i was a public school teacher at the time and i was given this book for christmas and i didn't quite know what to do with it i struggled with it uh the book is called apostates by kevin swanson i'll be honest i watched him read this the first time and it made you so angry i I was was it was frustrating you i i remember even telling you i think at one point you're like just put it down it's clearly frustrating you too much you need to like step away from it or something (laughs) because it was truly messing with you for a while and it's it was messing it was it was challenging me in ways that i didn't want to or didn't expect to be challenged i think you know again we go back to the the sin of the idol that i've created in my heart and and kevin swanson takes some makes some choices in this book that i think are regrettable Uh, i think if i if i of course was the his um editor i would have told him (laughs) probably don't do it this way he he cites from wikipedia um Mm. he, he takes a book that i love of mice and men and he goes through it very poorly i don't think he gets the entire truth of the book out there and that's one of my favorite books of all time right you know so he he does some things that i struggle with but it takes all of these old thinkers and these old um people and he walks through modern western culture of how we've slowly walked away from the faith um it was a hard book to read and at the time i didn't appreciate it and then I started doing a little bit more research, and then I started, you know, having to take my master's class. And I think I referenced this book in every class. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Like it just kept the the topics that he brought up in this book just kept coming up over and over again to the point where you just couldn't ignore them anymore. Yeah, they were there. And, and it's, it's so relevant. He talks about people like Darwin and their their religious backgrounds. Yeah, you know, Darwin uh, had a father, I believe, who was a minister, and he went on that trip on the Beagle. 
expecting and determined to find something to go against creation. Right. And I find in my life, when I go and expect to find something, when I'm looking for it, <laughs> I will generally find it. Yeah, if I'm looking for a result, I will find and, that result and I normally. certainly wouldn't call that objective science. Yeah. You know, the same goes for Karl Marx. The man also, I believe, had a, a father who was in ministry. And a lot of these people, you know, in their past had a religious background that they walked away from. They were apostates. They, they did apostate. I mean, it is amazing because you don't realize how many of these famous thinkers from our history, our recent history that, you know, they really did. They, they, you know, we tend to think of them as from the atheist side of, you know, Karl Marx was always an atheist. It's like, actually, they weren't. No, they started off in religious. And what they did was they rebelled against that so hard, they set out to attack it. Yes. And again, that is not objective thinking when that's what your goal is. When you go with it, when you go to something, when you go to a pursuit with a goal in mind, you're going to accomplish that goal. Yeah. Whether, you know, wh whether it works or not, you're going to make it work. You're, you're going to make, make the, the square peg fit in the... <laughs> yeah, going. you can always get a hammer and make it fit, right? <laughs> yeah. Or something's going to break. And it's remarkable. And he goes through all these speak, all these thinkers. Um, you know, I was a public school teacher, and then all of a sudden I'm thinking about, oh, I've taught these books. You know, I've read these books. It's like, I understand what he's talking about. And we had foreign exchange students at the time. I think that was probably the most eye-opening part for me was what you were talking about from these books kept coming home with them from the yeah. other teachers. It's in public school hard. And I just, I mean, I grew up as a homeschooler and now I always heard like, oh, it exists in the public school. And I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. Like my parents are just making up a lot of this, you know, <laughs> like they're just saying stuff. And I think this book and then that experience with our exchange students in combination really opened my eyes sure. to like, this is happening. When, when they came home reading Nathaniel Hawthorne's Scarlet Letter and were trying to discuss with them, well, what about the negative, you know, obvious negative portrayal of Christians in this book? And they can't explain that. Yeah. Well, you realize, of course, that, you know, he's doing this to attack Christianity and he's painting a straw man argument and they didn't even know what I was talking about. They had no idea. And it's like, well, what's your teacher talking about with you? Oh, about how great the book is? The, the book is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I've read the book. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, I mean, it's one thing to read this book. It's another thing to be able to take it apart and, you know, piecemeal this and figure out what is wrong with this message. Why is this a straw man argument? And to be able to have a good conversation about it. And they weren't able to, to do to that. To not even understand the Puritans' point of view and the fact no. that the Puritans were not like this at all. Well, there's, they had no idea who the Puritans even were, which yeah. even made this whole conversation harder yet. There had been no groundwork laid, and it was all a matter of... And we're talking high school-aged kids that are, year like, old sophomores. actually yeah. considered top of their class, too, because yeah. they're allowed to actually leave their own country to come to our country to do learning i mean it was just amazing to me i still am shocked because the things this book points out about the 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 men from our history that have walked away from their faith and how it's influencing our world it's just remarkable yeah i would i would definitely suggest you pick it up if nothing else uh, a couple of people you should look at from this book um one being uh john dewey if you don't know who john dewey is he's basically the father of modern education and he was a huge communist uh you should definitely keep an eye out on him or go go do a little research on him yeah uh, because he's definitely someone you want to know he also of course created the dewey decimal system <laughs> that's what you of know the library about. that's yeah. how you know the name when i yeah. say dewey uh but really what he did with the education system is not only foundational to what education is today it's, it's atrocious it's atrocious <laughs> he's actually yeah set kids back a hundred years oh yeah you know, uh, the other one that you should probably look into is um, uh, Thomas Aquinas. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Kevin Swanson picks him apart a little bit, which is hard. I mean, he's a foundational father of the Christian church, the Catholic church, yeah. you know, definitely something we should look at. And, uh, I think one of my professors talked about, you know, we give these men probably a little bit too much credit. They are still men. They are yes. still human beings. <laughs> Thomas Aquinas and, um, Augustine, of course, being the other one that we talked a lot about. Um, yeah. And Kevin Swanson, I, I was amazed after I read this book, Kevin Swanson did a great job. I've used this book constantly and referred to it a lot. Uh, that's Apostates by Kevin Swanson. I, I really recommend trying to find a copy of that one. So that's all the time I have for you today. I am Nick, the Game Schooling Dad, and with me as always is my wife, Amber of AmbitionsForChrist.com. This has been the Family Bookshelf. Thank you.